Welcome to another episode of Midwest Flyways podcast. Today bienvenidos. it's just bienvenidos. Bienvenidos. Today it's just me and Joey. So sad. Mm. No, I'm okay with it, dude. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. We got a lot to talk it's about. Rocking guests on lately, so dude, we do. A, we've got a lot to talk about today. We do have a lot to talk. Ooh, and I wanted to mention we do have a new. Uh, we got a new hookup for you guys. Got a 10 percent off code for Camel Retro. That's that's big. It's on the Camel Retro collection. So go check it out. Um, he's got some dope hats on there every once in a while. Got some really cool stuff on there. So 10% off. What's our code, Joey? Midwest Flyway 10. Midwest Flyway 10. Go get 10% off. This podcast is brought to you by Camel Retro. So go check them out. If you need to buy or sell hunting gear, that's where you need to be. What's that, Joey? Forgot that the audio was going for us while the <laughs> intro was going. <laughs> oh man, what a way to, what a way to bring it in, you know, dude. Just I'm introduce kidding. introduce bombs in the first thirty seconds. Fuck it, fuck it. We'll do it live, dude. We'll do it. Fuck it. We'll do fuck it, it live. We'll do it live. You know, I just found a gl- a gem of a YouTube video actually that just reminded me. So the Bill O'Reilly saying, "Fuck it, we'll do it live." Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible. If you haven't seen that, go watch it. He's so angry when he says it. Oh, yeah. He's so mad. So angry when he says it. But then Sean Hannity on Fox <laughs> News didn't know the camera was rolling, and he has a freaking jewel in his mouth, dude. And he goes, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> he has a freaking jewel hanging out of his mouth. Dude. It was like two or three months ago. I was dying laughing. Oh, my God. I, th- I thought it was a pen. And I was like, why is he being so uh-oh? And then I looked at the video. Um the video title and it said Sean Hannity with a jewel. I go, oh no gosh. way. And I rewatched it four times. I was like, he has a fucking jewel in his mouth, dude. Uh oh. Uh oh. So anyway, fun. so Barack Obama's a bad bad guy. You know? Yeah. Sean yeah. Hannity ass. Sean Hannity ass. Totally. No, dude, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about today because we asked you guys some listener questions that you guys have for us. So we got a whole podcast where we're gonna run through a bunch of things that you guys want to know about. And uh, I did see Nick was posting about the uh, survey numbers. Um, and so I wanted to know if there's some new regulations that are going through. Yeah, so I don't know for sure if they're going through or not, but they they did a poll online. And thank you to everyone who did you know, participate in that. It was, if we're going to have an early teal season, which I'm pretty sure we do. I think but so. I think it's going to happen. You know, a lot of people were supportive of having three different zones in Minnesota. I don't know why they'd change that. But uh, legal shooting hours for waterfowl end at 4 p.m. during the first part of, like, the first part of our split. And uh, 51% of hunters said that they opposed that and they wanted to, you know, have it go all the way through. You know, I... I don't really have a thought process on that. I think it just hold, helps us hold birds, you know, if they can go out and eat at night, whatever. But at the same time, it could be taken as you're teaching the birds to become nocturnal and go out at night to eat. Yep. I just thought of that. And then the other one was waterfowl hunters must conceal themselves in vegetation during the regular waterfowl season. Oh, yeah, no open water. That is, water. they cannot hunt open water hunters on average, are split in their support. They're 33% neutral. So 33, 33, sure. 33. Where do you fall on that? 
I think we should do it, man. I think we should because there's not a whole lot of people who would even do it in the first place. And right. if they're just being dumb and hunting on a shoreline with no, you know, vegetation, fuck them. They're not yeah. going to kill anything anyway. But for the guys that want to do some weird shit like me and do it like a layout boat hunt with like lily pads all oh, over yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have a perfect lake for that, dude. The pond. The pond. Yeah, the pond. Because there's so yep. much vegetation in the middle. But I don't think it technically is considered vegetation because it's just lily pads. Right. Um. And then also I want to do what they do on the eastern shore, which is called body booting. You know what that is, right? Yeah. It's where they set up those big uh, cardboard, or not cardboard, uh, plywood geese. They're huge, yeah. They're huge, and they hide a, a hunter in like yep. four or five feet of water. I think that'd be really cool. That's crazy. I think that'd be really cool to do It'd in definitely Minnesota. Definitely be interesting. You could, you could set a giant water spread and just hide behind it. Oh, Why do they dude. call it body booting? I don't know. I truly don't. It's weird. I don't get it. You yeah, know? I don't know either. It's kind of weird. But it'd be fun to, you know, use our carpentry skills mm. and make a goose, spray yep. paint it, hide behind it, make a cool fucking video doing that. Come on. Yeah. I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. Okay. Next one. Use of motorized decoys is restricted during the first part of the waterfall hunting season in Minnesota. When asked their attitudes towards this restriction, 58% of waterfall hunters indicated that they were opposed to not being able to use spinners. For the first two weeks so of the season. So most people do want to be able to use them. Yeah, so... And I don't know why we even have that rule, dude, because we are one of two states right? that that does that. It's dumb. North Dakota can use them right away. Right, right. Oh, Wisconsin can use them right away. Oh. Huh. Oh, I think that's just another way for them to get money from us because the way that they word the rules on that, too, is ridiculous. You yeah. know what I'm talking about, right? In terms of not being able to actually use motorized decoys. So what they say is you can't use motorized decoys until <clears throat> this weekend. Right. right. But instead of that weekend, they say through Saturday. So naturally, you can't hunt. So like you, we have that week off, right? So yep. you, you have to stop hunting that Sunday, and you can't hunt the rest of the week, but you can start hunting that next Saturday morning, right? Yep. So the way that the rules say it, you I always... You can't hunt it on Saturday. You can't, you can't use, use it on Saturday. It on Saturday. Right. And I know that they give out a bunch of tickets for that. Yep. It's like, why word it like that? Well, they're saying it through through Saturday. I know, but I, I just interpret it as, okay, it's the end of the split. Now we can use motorized decoys. That's yeah. how I was interpreting. No, you, you can't use it until that following Sunday. That's how they should say it. You can't use it till Sunday. Right. Why through Saturday, man? Why are you trying to make it even more difficult to read the regulations that are already annoyingly Ridiculous. annoying yeah. to read annoyingly annoying dude annoyingly annoying <laughs> <laughs> no i hear you so everyone in minnesota wants to use motorized decoys the next one is well, also motorized 50 50 yeah well that's that's the majority so so that's everyone the next one is motorized decoys are not allowed on um dnr controlled motorized wa- motorized boats no decoys so like on wmas you can't use a robo duck you can't use a battery-operated, you know, Mojo right, or right. Uh, Lucky Duck, anything like that. You can't even use a flapper, nothing. So, um, and 54% of people wanted to use it on those properties. So, well, yeah, because motorized decoys kill birds. Uh, right. So that one will probably get overturned. That? I think it's a good thing that that gets overturned because, one, it's just an easy ticket because a lot of people don't know that law. What do you think about this in relation to what Stan said, though? 
about um about how drastic the difference is being able to use motorized decoys like the reason that they're not allowing them on the wma properties is because that they want that to be sort of a safe place for birds dude in a way have, we have refuges for that i yeah. don't care about it dude we have refuges for that where you can't hunt period there are already plenty of safe places for those birds to go to well a lot of we people need, argue there's less the safe edge. places we need the edge man regardless um let me just get through this list real quick All right. and then we'll come back to that uh everyone wants to use um electronic trolling motors in wmas mm -hmm. and wpas yeah um uh, we voted for an extra weekend for military vets and youth. And then we're going to move. It sounds like we're going to move. We have 51% in support for going from a three goose limit to yep. a five goose limit, which is huge. And then, um, yeah. But regarding like the rule change, dude, why do you think they're changing the rules? Why do you think they're proposing on changing the rules? I mean, I'd like to say it's because hunters have bitched and moaned about it for years. Okay. But also, the, apparently the numbers are declining. Yeah. And so they're trying to get more people into the sport. And in order to get more people into the sport, a lot more people need to get success. And so I feel like a lot of these laws that, are, that they're trying to change are going to give people a lot more success. And, yeah. and that's what I want, is for more people to shoot more birds. Yeah. I want to shoot more birds, dude. You know how many times I've been... In uh, western Minnesota, where there's a shitload of WPAs and WMAs, and then I see birds out there like three miles into the WMA. Right. You can't get to them unless you have a rowboat. It's like, <laughs> right. okay, well, I have a $20,000 duck boat, or I did. I did have a $20,000 duck boat, and I can't use that to go and shoot those birds. However, they are only proposing to be able to use electronic trolling motors. That's fine, dude. You can buy a $200 John boat with a $100 trolling motor right. and you're and you're only out 3 300 bucks. And that's your WMA boat. You're solid. Who cares yeah. if it has a hole in the bottom? Cock right. it. Cock, Cock it, it, dude. Cock you know? it. Flex seal. Who cares? Yeah, flex seal. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Mays here. Billy Mays here, flex seal. <laughs> ah, you can seal anything with flex seal, just a whole roof. God, they should sponsor this fucking podcast, dude. <laughs> <laughs> flex seal oh my god you know how many times i've seen it on a roof oh yeah guess, oh yeah guess what dude the only reason why i'm on that roof is because it's still a leaking yeah <laughs> it's still oh it's so funny i'm not even i'm not a roofer but we had a, a property <laughs> a job we were doing and they had a skylight a few skylights and these people came in and instead of tucking the metal underneath the shingles mm. <laughs> they flex sealed it so they put the metal down over the shingles after they cut the hole in the roof then they flex sealed oh man dude and this is a little little tip for all the billy people. mays oversold flex seal <laughs> that's all i know all i'm trying to tell people is common misunderstanding about shingles and this is all i'm going to say about construction on this podcast they don't protect you from water. What protects you from water is what's underneath the shingles. So when you guys go up on your roofs, when you buy a home someday, or if you already have a home and you're thinking to yourself, I'll just put this on top of the shingle and then I'll flex seal it. Just flex know seal. it has to go underneath the shingles and underneath the felt in order for it to do anything, anything, anything. Yeah. So, but also is that job security for me? Yeah. Yeah. And also job security for Billy. <laughs> Billy Mays. <laughs> oh, I think he's dead. Billy Mays here. Yeah. He's been dead for like eight years. Oh, legend, though. Long time. 
He just sold everything. He is <laughs> just as seen on TV, man. I mean, anything you could sell, Billy Mays would sell a shit out of it. Anyway. No, I think that the, the new rule proposal change is really good because it'll make the average waterfowler who's not obsessed like we are, who just wants to go out like five, six times a year, maybe even less, three times a year, to the WMA. And shoot some that's, birds. Yeah, like they see people shooting. He, okay, I've gathered my thoughts. A lot of people don't go out and ask for permission. Right. They go out to public land yep. because they know that they can hunt it. Yep. So now they see all these Fred Zinks, Kelly Powers, Dive Bomb, us, Joe Heinz, all these Bobby Guy. They see all these people going out and shooting ducks in a field or in a pond and they have and they have uh Robo Ducks. And then they see, oh, well the only public land that I can hunt that's anywhere near my house, I can't use those. So now I'm not gonna be able to shoot ducks. Like that's how some people think. So it's like, well shit. And I think it's just, I think it'll be really good in that aspect for getting the average Joe out and shooting more birds and really continuing to support the sport by buying their federal duck stamp. Yeah. I mean, I think a big thing too is obviously like, if you like, if you hear stories, or you look back at like the history, right, of duck hunting. I mean, when we, when we had in the seventies, 160,000 people buying a stamp, a lot of those guys were hunting, like you said, three to five times a year, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting, like, talking to Stan Guzzi last week and asking him, are there more people hunting now or less? I think what it really brought to my mind was that there's more people serious about it now. Because yeah. if you want to be successful, it's hard to just be, like, a willy-nilly three to five times a year guy. Like, if you want to really shoot waterfowl, you got to really want to do it. You know, yeah. we have less birds here now with the migration. They don't stay as long because of the weather. You know, all those things are playing a factor in it. So yeah. we're shooting less birds. You know, there's less opportunity for people to be successful, but the people that are hunting are way more hardcore. And so we need to have, you know, the ability for people to hunt three to five times a year and have a chance in hell at going out and shooting birds, you mm. know, and, and we, and there's not a great chance for that right now. Yeah. I mean, it, let's just say me or you even decided, okay, three times a year, we're going to put our boat in on a public piece of water, or let's just say twice a year we go out, you know, the Lockwood Parl area. We just try to shoot some birds. Yeah. You know, I mean, how successful are our opportunities? I mean, a lot of times me and you will just screw around or, you know, other people and we'll just go and try and hunt something public and just see what happens. And how many of those days are we shooting nothing? A decent amount. Right. But for us, it's like, okay, well, we just, we know we got a banger lined up for this. We'll get that. them on the next time. Yeah. Better luck next time, boys. Yeah. You know, where we secure a feed and we got people coming into town or whatever. Like, hey, yeah, we got eight people coming on this hunt. Let's save this for that hunt. But we want to hunt before that. Right. Let's just go hit a random piece of public. Right. You know, shoot a couple ducks, you know, shoot the shit, have fun. Yep. yep. You know, but that's a lot of people's like only time that they That's hunt, what I'm saying. You know, so if you incorporate not being able to use a motor, so then they have to paddle. So it's a lot of physical work for them to go two miles in to shoot birds. Right. And then also they can't use robo ducks, which obviously work. Yep. It's a little disconcerting to them, or it's a little, um, not off-putting, but what's the word I'm looking for? It's a, like, it kind of puts you in dismay, because you're sort of just like... Mm. It just like pushes them away from it. What's that? I don't know. Off-putting. Off-putting. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. And it kind of puts you off a yeah, little bit to it. it. Yeah, you know, it like, puts you off. Know. Gets you off a little bit, you know? No, puts you off. Yeah. Well, Different. I get off a little bit, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's just, that's, that's what it really does. And so hopefully, yeah, hopefully you're right. Hopefully this will give more people the opportunity to shoot birds. Well, it obviously will, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The hard part is you're you're basically saying that this is all banking on the idea that because of these laws, more people are going to start hunting birds. It's not that it'll make more people start hunting birds. It'll make the people who are already hunting more successful, and then in turn, they uh, their yeah. friends will want to go no, out with them because they're shooting more. You know? I hear so what it's you're like saying. an indirect. I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is if it's more accessible, if people that? are thinking that suddenly. Because we have these changes happen, they're like it's going to be a huge insurgence of new hunters. It's just not going to no, happen. It's gonna be I mean, gradual. it's going to be slow and over time. And I mean, who knows? Like maybe that's what's in their heads. But it's not like the fifty thousand people that used to buy tags all of a sudden are going to be like, "Yeah, we'll start hunting them again." Now I can shoot five a day. No. Well, think about it this way, though, dude. Your guy's never really hunted before, and your buddy goes, "Hey, spend essentially sixty dollars." In just license fees, right? Because you're a resident in Minnesota, essentially sixty dollars with tax, and um, come and shoot three geese one day. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be like, boo. Now, if they can shoot five, it might be a little bit. It might push them over the edge a little bit. So I now, think know, of man. yourself with deer hunting. Why don't you want a deer hunt? Because I'm all bored. that fucking work for one. No, that's not for why. one. That's one of my things, dude. I can shoot one. Yeah, wow. I don't know. So I have to buy a bow or a rifle. Or a shotgun, and then spend a shitload of money on the ammo for that, or the the arrows, and all the time that goes into practicing, and then all the um, property management that goes into it to shoot one. I got to be honest, dude. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you on this. I really don't know. I mean, because like, I never am like, oh, I'll only shoot one deer. I don't know. I guess for me, it's like you're chasing the thing because you love chasing the thing, right? Right, but... It, I don't I'm know. I, I hear what you're it. saying. It's just, I think a lot of hunters are passion-driven people. Right. I don't know a lot of guys that, like, hunt that are, like, just kind of fucking dull people. You know? Like, they're pretty... Think about the guys, man. I mean, dude, even if I meet somebody... Like, let's just say I go to dinner with my wife and one of her spouse's friends hunts, like, twice a year. You know? Or he hunts deer. That guy's not usually, like, a... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not that kind of guy, you know. It's like the type of dude you meet, and you're like, "Hey, what's up, man?" He's like, "Yeah, dude, I like to shoot deer. Absolutely, I hunt deer every year. I mean, it could be twice a year. I mean, Ross, so, like so, my buddy Ross, you know Ross. Mm-hmm. He goes hunting two times a year mm-hmm. for deer. I mean, he's not like a he's not a boring dude. So now, if I were to try to get Ross into duck hunting, yep, you know what I would tell him? It's so much better than deer hunting. Why? Well, you're not by yourself." You're hanging out with your friends, and you can shoot more than one. You can shoot six ducks a day and three geese a day. Maybe. That's that's literally, that's how I've gotten 90% of deer hunters to come out and hunt. It's just like, you can shoot more than one, and you can do it every day. I wonder, though, if you you're know? like, when you say that, it's almost like they have to come now because like you chase all this for one, or if they're actually like care that it's more than one. You know what I, I mean? No, I mean, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who no, the who fuck knows? Who the fuck I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Pull up some of those listener questions. Dude. All right, here we go. Did we insp- did we spend too much time on that? I don't know. I don't think so. Fuck them. Fuck them. Yeah. Whatever. All right. So are you Joe Hines? No. <laughs> the amount of times I get asked this a year. Thank you, Travis Gendro, for asking that question 
asshole. But Dude. no, I'm not Joe Hines. I would say that I'm much better looking than him, and I'm much younger. You know, I've Way got fresher. my I've got my entire life ahead of me, whereas he does not. He's an old man. He's almost bald. He's decrepit. He's got decrepit flesh. He's almost bald. He's he is bald, dude. Yeah, he lost all think, his hair. Why do you think he wears a hat all the time? And dude, he got those <laughs> he got those hair plugs. Oh no. Yeah. Dude, slander. <laughs> slander to Joe Hines. Yeah. No, no okay. I'm gonna be honest, Joe Hines has a full head of hair. But is he getting old? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but am I better looking? Yeah. So and, that, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. No. All right. Here's a good question we got. No. When no. You s- wait. Before Joe, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh he, yeah. He, here we go. The apologies. He is, is going to be coming on our podcast very soon, but he just got the COVID. So he did. Yeah. He did mm-hmm. just get the COVID. Yep. So he was going to be our our guest uh, the last couple of weeks, and then he got COVID, and I was like, okay, let's just push it off. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. We yeah we had to push it off. As everyone knows, we love Joe Hines. You know, is he kind of a is he? Is he a little, a little bit? Yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> but it's okay. All right, here's a good one. When you first started hunting, did you see a year-to-year progression? You know, when I first started hunting, this is a I was, good one for I me. was two. This is a great one for you too. Yeah. You know, when I started hunting, I was two years old. Mm-hmm. So no, I did not <laughs> see a progression. My dad and his friends always smash birds. Right. Always. And uh, then I started hunting for myself, and then I, it, the numbers drastically decreased. Drastically. <laughs> now, yeah. there was no scouting. There was no nothing. There was hardly any duck calling. There was no goose calling. I mean, there was some, but it, it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good. Did I still kill birds? Yeah. Now, when I got better at calling, better at shooting, better at understanding how everything worked, of course I killed more birds. Yeah, I mean... I think that for me, it's interesting because like you're talking about growing up being like a kid, you know, and then like your year to year progression in your head is like, oh, I don't, it doesn't really start majorly progressing until I really got into it. But like for me, I was introduced to it. And uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like I was fortunate enough to hunt with, you know, you and your dad and, you know, other people that were like serious about waterfall hunting. Mm-hmm. So obviously for me, my year to year progression is in my mind, you know, exponential, exponential. Yeah. I mean, crazy. Like every year that I have waterfall hunted, I continue to learn more and more and more, you know? So this would be for those of you listening, you know, I obviously, I didn't start hunting when I was a kid, you know, I, I started hunting when I was 20. So this would be my eighth year this year, um, hunting. And so for me, yeah, I mean a huge progression year to year. I think the biggest thing that was, you know, that is continues to be a progression for me year to year is uh not only getting more comfortable like in the terms of like i i know what most people would do in my mind in that situation to be successful and i can make a conscious decision like do i want to do what i think is the right thing to do or do i want to try something Mm -hmm. new you know what i mean um and then also you know as dumb as it is um, the last two years, major progressions in being able to hunt, I think by myself or like run my own hunts. Um, I was, I was just going to go into that, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hunting alone for me. It's an opportunity for me to learn. That's the way I look at it. And that is what makes it, you know, enjoyable for me is every time I'm out by myself, I can try anything I want. I can set any decoys I want. I can set them in any spread. 
you know, try different hides. When you don't have um, anyone chirping at you. Right. Like, that's not the right way. That's not how I know. Yep. You don't have other guys inserting their opinions. It's just your opportunity to try things and learn. Um, but yeah, no, what about you, man? I mean, in terms of that aspect of it, you know? Well, I was going to say, touching on what I said earlier is, like, I, like I've just had all this shit ingrained in me for years, you know? And I just played follow the leader. And I don't feel like I really learned a whole lot of, like, new things until I started doing it by myself. And that's when I found the progression was exponential. Because you are the control, you know, like a normal scientific experiment, right? Say with, like, COVID, you know, the average person gets sick and the average person is okay. But then there are variables. Someone has diabetes, you know, they're way more prone to be very sick or die from mm-hmm. COVID. Same thing with duck hunting. You are the control, right? Whatever you do affects the hunt, you know? So if you set out four dozen decoys by yourself versus a dozen, you're probably going to do better with four dozen. But at the same time, um, if you find that whenever you get ready to shoot, the birds flare, and you're like, what in the hell is happening? Right. Then you real so say you're boat hunting. So then you realize that birds are flaring every time you're about to shoot. It's like, holy shit, am I not concealed enough? I don't know. You know, but you can you can see yourself as the control cow and know that whatever happened, it's because of you. So then you can do deductive reasoning and say, Okay, I did this when I started to shoot. Like I was moving, I moved my feet, I shuffled my feet which then caused ripples to come out of the cattails. The birds saw that. And There's like, no one normal. else that you can blame it on. You know what I mean? It's all you. So then you can go, okay, this is why this isn't working. And right. then the next flock of birds that comes in, you cut that out. 100%. You know what I mean? No, you're there, totally making sense. There's so much learning to be done by hunting by yourself, man. And I swear to God, that's when I became a better hunter is when I started hunting by myself. And that's why I've been telling you for years, go out by yourself that's when you're going to learn the most. Yeah, that's and that's what you told. I mean, in I'll in fairness, right? Like when you first start hunting, you're you're on a vibe, right? Cuz you're you're really with the guys. Right. And so once it becomes that passion though, you know, in the beginning when you were explaining it to me, you remember us going back and forth and I'm like, "No, like I love the camaraderie of it. I love this and that." Yeah. You know, but it takes it getting to a point where you you want to be the best waterfall hunter you can be. And then getting better excites you just as much as hanging with the boys or whatever it is. Right. And that is why for me, that's when it clicked. Mm. You know, I, I specifically actually remember the minute and, and what you brought up is like the best way to bring that up. Talking about like the control versus variable. Mm-hmm. Cause, uh, I went and hunted a field by myself and I set out 120 dive bombs. Okay. Right. And I had not a great hide. I was in the middle of a cornfield in a, in a layout blind. Mm-hmm. And my hide situation was not great because I kind of threw it together like very last minute. Like right. took two bags. Classic. I had like, you know, an hour before sunset. I got off early and I was like, screw it. I'm going to go and hunt. Yeah. And um, I changed. So the first like 30 minutes, right, had geese working me. And they basically, they would get, you know, they get in that 40 yard, 60 yard range. And then they start doing their thing, you know, where they're circle, circle, circle. And then they peel out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, something's not right, you know? Right. And so I went and actually, I changed my hide 
right? I moved my decoys, changed my hide to a tree line. Mm. I shot one goose. Okay. But I only had 10 minutes till shooting light. Sure. Right. And I only had like 10 birds come and to be able to make one do it. In that instance, I took away right there. I was like, okay, this is the difference, right? Like me learning that that change was necessary and worth it in my hide situation and knowing that they weren't doing it because of me and me alone because of my hide. Yeah. Right. In that instance, I was like, this is why it's important. Like, this is why it makes sense. Right, dude. So I can't tell you how many hunts I've been on. Dude, I, when I started hunting by myself, I was hunting off of a pallet dock where my dad put pallets going out to this lake. It was like a mile of pallets. And I would hunt off of these pallets. I would just sit in the middle of the pallets. There's cattails all around me, but then there's this huge path going. I'd be sitting on these pallets, and I'd throw out six decoys. And this is a this is a very popular breeding site back in the day. I, I'm sure it still is. But there would be ducks and geese constantly on this lake. And I would go before school and after school every day. And I'm sure I messed it up where I was like, it was out of season, you know, mm-hmm. like I, like I, I knew nothing. I was so young. And, um, once I realized that me sitting on the pallet dock wasn't working and I moved literally four feet to the right ducks totally changed their like attitude because they just fly over me. They would turn, they'd see the decoys and then they'd see me and they'd flare at like 60 yards. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what in the world it took me like half the season to like move over off the pallet dock because I wasn't wearing waders for starters. So I didn't want to like sit in the bog, but, but like that's one of those things so important. If you really want to get at water, like really want to get good at waterfowl hunting, you have to understand what the birds in your area are doing and why what you're doing isn't working. You know that uh, people, every single lesson I've given, they're like, I'm doing this. It's not working. You know, what do I do differently? Like, help me with my calling to where it'll do differently. I'm like, dude, honestly, 90% of it is your hide. And then also, are you under the flight line? And then when they do like hook and set up on you, what are you doing on your call? Yeah. You have to know what birds sound like, what they do in that situation. And a lot of, especially for geese, dude, people will be, and we talked about in Simon's podcast. um, If you just mimic what they're doing, at a certain rhythm, they'll come in. You yep. can get a single goose to come in pretty good. If you yep. have a good hide and you just mimic what they're doing, you'll hook them back in. Yep. You know, it's pretty cool. So it's just a lot of trial and error. Waterfowl is a shitload of trial and error. Yep. You know what's easy? You know what makes you a lot better of a waterfowler? Is by cutting out all the variables. So if you're always hunting with four guys, you don't know what, like, you don't know what's flaring those birds. You don't know. You have no idea. But if you're just hunting by yourself, you can really cut down the variables, like, severely. Like you, moving to the tree line, then you finally kill the goose. You know? Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yep. I grew up water hunting. And so I realized no wind, no motion. Ducks no, it's no good. Ducks are constantly moving on the water when they're yep. on the water. If you go and watch them on the water, they are never just sitting still, not making ripples. Yep. So then what do you need to do? Set up a jerk rig. Set up ripples in your spread. Make it look like ducks are moving. Once you make it look like ducks are moving, you're probably going to do a lot better. Yeah. I mean, probably, but like that's one of those things of trial and error where it's like, shit. Okay. Once I put motion in the spread, ducks started working. 
Yeah. You know, it's just, it's totally situational, but you need, I feel like in order to become a better waterfowler, you need to go up by yourself, cut down those variables, make it easier on yourself so that you can kill more birds. Right, right. You know, <laughs> if you're always going out with you plus three, it's like, shit, I don't know why the birds aren't working today. They, they were here yesterday. They're not coming in. They're flaring at 40, 60 yards, whatever. And I'm just wounding birds or whatever. Right. They're not working right. Start cutting out the variables. Make it easier on yourself and start killing more birds. Right. You know? Yeah, 100%. So on that note, you know, we kind of got asked, and we sort of answered this question, but like solo and group hunts. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, like group hunts is a really good one. Um, but let me ask you this. Somebody asked, how many people is too many people to go with? Like, what's your ideal group scenario? You know, how many are you willing to hunt? Uh, the exact question was morning or afternoon hunts, solo or group hunts. How many people is too many to go with just a few for you? Um, dude, I, I really like the intimate hunts at this point. I've hunted with 16 people yep. multiple times. And it's fun because you're just raking birds out of the sky. Yep. You know, like that's fun for me. But at the same time, my favorite hunts ever are you and a buddy. And you're just like, hey, you take this one. Hey, no, no, it's your turn. You know, it's a total gentleman shoot. That is the best hunting ever, man. Yeah. That's my favorite. But if I had to pick one of like solo hunts versus group hunts, if like group hunts is like two or more, I would have to say uh, group hunts just because like, like if you had to like yeah. only do one for the rest of your right. life. Right. I'd never I'd never choose solo hunting. I I'd mean, never choose solo hunting, but it's my favorite. like solo hunting is my favorite, but just like dude, before like when we started Midwest Flyways, I was taking 30 to 40 people out for the first time hunting a year. Right. You being one of them. Yeah. You know. Like that is so much fun for me to watch the guys eyes just light up as birds are coming in and just being like when just call the shot. When, when do we shoot? Like when, when do I shoot? And then right. like, you can literally see their hands shaking with yep. the gun. I love that dude. And then they, they miss like 15 birds. Oh yeah. They finally knock that bird down and you're just like, fuck yeah, dude. Yes. Yep. Fucking get it. And they're just like fucking amped. You know, yep. I had like six of those this year where they were just blown away by shooting their first goose right. and their first duck. And they cannot stop texting me about it. They cannot. Yeah, they get obsessed instantly. They're like, dude, like, what do I need to buy? Like, how many decoys do I need? Like, what camo should I get? Blah, 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 blah. Right. You know? That's the best. You know? Like, that's so much fun for me. Like, hey, my wife asked what I wanted for Christmas and, you know, like, what duck call should I ask her to get me? Like, what goose call should I get her to ask me? Like, you know what I mean? Totally. So then, are you a morning or afternoon guy? Morning. Dude, there's just something about ducks and geese. When they come in at first light, it's magical. Oh, I'm a morning guy every time. Why are you a morning guy? I'm a morning guy because I love the whole thing of it is like an event to me, you know, like the getting up early, Mm -hmm. you know, and like getting prepared for that situation and then going out like that's what makes you a waterfall hunter. You know, in my head, it's like that. That is me waterfall hunting, you know, getting up and grabbing a coffee and as early as shit and nobody's on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm driving to a duck hole, driving to a field and it is pitch black. There's not a soul in sight. And I'm like, you know what? I'm the only guy in the world up right now. That's so cool. 
Then you get there, and then like you said, the ducks and geese are coming in. It's first light. The sun's just creeping up, and you're like, oh, man, this is just perfect. Dude, yeah, I, I really, and this has been used so many times, but it's just a great depiction of waterfowl hunting, and it's, I love watching the world wake up, literally. Mm-hmm. Like, you're out there way before anything else is awake. Yeah. And um, all you hear is, oh, and then, yeah. And then you see the birds, and you're like, what the fuck is that? I don't even know what that is. Yep. I, don't, I don't know what kind of duck that is. Yeah. And then and then shooting time hits, and you can kind of tell a little bit more. And it's just like, dude, I love that. Yeah. There is so, like that mystery of like, what kind of ducks are we shooting today? Yeah. You know? Yep. And that's mainly with water hunting. But, <clears throat> and I think that's why I love water hunting so much is like, you never truly know what exactly you're going to shoot. Yep. Dude, oh, yeah. When I was in Oklahoma guiding, there was one day we had a real bad lull of birds, like two days, no new birds. Every pond we checked, maybe mm. 15 ducks on it. It's sure. Like, fuck. You know, we have clients coming tomorrow. Like, I don't know if we're going to have a good day. And then there was this one day, huge weather front pushed in. And we had like 200 mallards on one big body of water. And then we had two canvas backs and... I don't know, maybe 15 pintails and probably like 40 widgeon. I'm like, we're going to smash mallards tomorrow. And so we went and set up on that pond, whatever client showed up. And this kid go, he was like 17, 18. And he goes, man, I've never shot a canvas back. And I saw it on your Instagram that you like smack canvas backs. Like, what is that like? And I'm like, it's so much fun, man. Like they're, they're the king of ducks. Yeah. You know? And I was like, but sadly we only saw two canvas backs on this on this pond last night. He's like, well, we saw two. Like, you think any will come in? I was like, I'm sure like at least two will come in. We shot an eight man limited canvas backs that day. <laughs> Dude, I don't understand how that's even possible. We had to, I had to constantly say, do not shoot. Do not shoot. We are past our limit. Do not shoot. Those are cans. And we shot two mallards that day. So like with water hunting, you just never know what you're going to get. Yep. And I fucking love that dude. How did that kid feel? Oh, they were pumped. Him and his dad, and then his dad's friends. Uh, there were six, or no, there were four of them, and we had three guides on that hunt. Sure. No, there were five of them, three guides on that hunt. So we shot an eight-man limit of cans. But, like, dude, it was just so cool. Like, I love that about water hunting and, like, just waterfowl hunting in general. Like, you wake up, you hear... <laughs> Yeah. Like you have no idea what it is and you're just like, I think that's a pintail or I think that's a mallard. Like, and everyone's just like jazzed up. It's like, when is shooting time? Everyone's yep. looking at their phone. Like what time is it? When is shooting time? When is shooting time? Yeah. Fucking live for that dude. Yeah. And it makes waking up at two, 3 AM all worth it. You can go home, take a nap, like whatever. You know, what's the best feeling Cal. What's that? And all of our listeners waking up super early on like a Wednesday or a Friday morning. Like, you know you're going to work, and you wake up way too early. You go out and duck hunt, shoot a couple, and then you're into work by 9. And then you just, like, go throughout your day. It's like, man, this sucks. I'm fucking tired. But at the same time, you're like, I killed a lot of ducks this morning. Or you didn't, and it was still fun. It was so great. Yep. You know? I love that shit. That was a great question. All right, here's a question for you. Do you have any tips on trafficking geese in the South Metro? Because this kid asked... Or this person asked, 
Sorry. <laughs> You're a say. kid. You are I a am kid. A, I'm a 10-year-old boy. You're a 10-year-old boy. Yeah. No, uh, this, this dude asked. Uh, we try to traffic him. They don't even look any sips. So my tips for you are fix your hide because whenever we're trafficking geese or every time I've been trafficking geese with like everyone that I know, because most people in Minnesota are trafficking geese, I'd say. Most of the time. Most of the people that I hunt with, I should say, are trafficking geese. And what's really important when trafficking geese or ducks for that matter is your hide. And I can't tell you how many situations we've gotten into where we are trying to, like we have two two spots we can go. And okay, this one, there's more ducks and geese here, but it's a shitty hide. Or there's less ducks and geese landing here or just flying over it, period. And it's a great hide. I will pick the great hide every time, just like we talked about with Stan Guzzi last weekend. Yeah. Or last week. And so my my suggestion for you is get under that flight line and make sure you have a good hide. And there's a couple of different ways you can make a good hide. So if you're in a bean field and you have no hide, set up some socks over you. Try something different because no one in Minnesota does that. Or um, I, honestly, I think the, the biggest thing is getting under them and making sure that those birds are flying over the top of that field and over yep. your decoys, you know. And then essentially if you need to like make a brush pile or something that looks natural to create a hide and build off of or whatever – do it what about you um i mean my only my only thought would be how big is your spread mm. and what time of year is that you know i mean i mean a lot of times right if you're going to traffic geese in my mind right like let's say it's late season mm-hmm. i mean what do you got yeah what do you got what you, you know doing? what are you doing what you doing yeah i mean you'd ask if you i think if in my opinion if you'd ask a lot of guys you know, your decoy spread late season can really affect whether you have success or not. Yeah. You know, and it totally depends on the area. Yeah. As well, because there's areas that have a lot of pressure. Yeah. And everyone's running big spreads because there's a lot of guide services. They have the money to pour into a spread. And so in that situation, maybe run a smaller spread, run 40. Right. Run 40 full bodies or something and have a really good hide. Yeah. Like you said, you got to read your area. You got to know how many birds are there, too. I mean, you got to know, you got to know what's actually possible or if it's a migration day or what the situation is, right? But, well, and and all this is coming from a lot of trial and error. A lot. (laughs) I mean, a lot. Like we were just talking about hunting by yourself and I live on the sheep ranch now. You know, Ram Ranch. And Ram Ranch, yeah. Ram Ranch. And, I, uh, and I've been keeping a permanent spread beginning of the season. It's pretty small. And then as the season goes on, I just keep adding to it. And I keep an A-frame out there so that the birds are used to it. It's on an edge row, everything. And I've, I've learned a lot living here. Like a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it's all through trial, trial and error. And so I just think try everything you can, honestly. I mean, you just got to hunt more. You got to hunt more, set up a spread, keep it permanent if you can, and just add or subtract to it. Make sure you have a good hide and go from yep. there. Utilize and just, black and whites differently. Try socks and wind. Try this. Try that. Mm-hmm. There, there's just too many variables in waterfowl. Yep. Too many. Yeah. Too I many. think I would say your, your point in the beginning is probably the biggest point. What's your hide? Yeah. What's your hide situation? Trafficking geese, you know? 
if you're in a shitty spot, it might be a shitty hunt. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, have you ever big water boat blind hunted? A lot. Yeah? A lot. Yeah. What do you think about that? I'm a really big fan of it. Uh, anything with water and ducks or geese, I'm pretty much down for, you know? And I think the thing with water hunting is big numbers, especially when it comes to the time of year. I mean, this is all conjecture, you know, but it's just like in my area. But the places that I've hunted out of a boat blind on big water, it really depends on what's there for birds, what's there for a hide. If there's no hide, then you got to make your own essentially with a boat blind. But like if I had a choice to not use a boat blind versus a natural hide, I'd choose the natural hide. For sure. You know, but a lot of times you're just button up to cattails and you're yep. trying to match the cattails and yep. whatever. And that's, that's my main experience with it. And it's really hard to be successful. It's, I think the, the hardest part is getting a good hide. That is the, that is the I biggest mean, thing. It that is, is the, the hardest part. You know, and like usually when you're, when you have to use a boat blind, the water's too deep. So you're hunting migrating mallards or just ducks in general, or uh, you're hunting divers. Yep. And so divers are pretty freaking dumb. They're pretty <laughs> dumb, dude. <laughs> They're pretty dumb. And so it's just like having, being in the spot that they want to be in. Diver hunters are just mad right now. Just fuming at home. <laughs> Fuck, you don't know what you're talking they about. They have their own intri- intricacies for sure. But they sure at do. the end of the day, they don't need calling to come in. All they need to be is in the spot that they were the night before. And make sure that you have a good hide. Yeah. Whereas mallards and other puddlers and geese that respond to duck calls really well. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit more to it. Yeah. But my experience with uh, big boat blinds is really fun. Yep. It's really, really fun, man. It is. It's a good time. Especially because I feel like usually I'm with like six dudes. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, all right, we're going to see what happens. I was like when we were hunting with Noah Werzer out in Wisconsin, he's like, we got this or that. And yep. one of them was the big boat blind. Yeah. And I was pushing for the oh, big yeah. boat blind. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then everyone's like, nah, let's go to the field. And then we didn't shoot shit. You know? <laughs> but, like, I would have rather have hunted out of a 22-foot boat. So would I have. Yeah. I think Wade was tired. and Yeah. Well, that would have been a different deal. Now, do we know that Wade's a big crybaby? Yeah. <laughs> My favorite crybaby ever, though, by the way. <laughs> I know. He's just a beaut. All right. So, speaking of tough hide situations... Keenan Mackey asked an interesting question, mm-hmm. and that was, what are your best hunts to come from tough situations or tough conditions? I got a couple I can think of. Yeah, why don't you start with the Wade one? Um, all right, so the, <laughs> so we, we fly to Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we fly to Louisiana, <clears throat> and in our heads, we're like, we're going to 70-degree weather, right, first of all. Yo, no, we we think first of you know, all, motherfucker. First of all, motherfucker, we we going to a warm state. They in the south, we in the north. It's cold in the north. We going south. Yep. We gonna have a good time. We it's gonna, gonna be warm. Have, we ain't gonna need shit yep. for camouflage. And Connor couldn't come, so our buddy Matt Layman was coming with to film it. Who's a great dude, and he didn't have any duck hunting gear though. <laughs> so Joey found an old pair of waders to bring with, non insulated. Yes. We get there, it's 23 degrees. 
And if anyone who listens to this is from the South, you know, 23 degrees in the South, you have a hundred percent humidity and it's colder than shit. Yeah. Very cold. So cold. And this is our first experience hunting in the South. Yep. In January. That South for sure. Bad deal. All right. So the, here's the tough situation though. So to get to where we wanted to be, the water levels were super low. So we couldn't drive our boat to where we wanted to be. And I don't know. I mean, I know Wade kind of had an idea of where we were going to be. <laughs> but we get up at like 1.30 in the morning, get Ugh. in the truck, drive to this spot. We leave the truck, get in the boat, ride in the boat like a mile down a river. Dude, it was such a long boat ride. Oh, yeah. It was like an hour. It was bad. Anyway, and we're thinking we're just going to get to where we need to be and hunt. I mean, Wade didn't like preface this by being like, we may have to walk in super far. No. <laughs> so we and, get, we get, mind you, Cal is not the way that he looks right now. Yeah. Cal, three Cal was severely overweight. Hey, hey. now, now you were, you look good now. That's all that matters. But back then, dude, Oh, I still looked good. I was just big <laughs> I mean, beauty of a face, but all right. So anyway, I mean, here's the thing. I was, I was an athletic 300 pounds. All right. It's Ooh, not like sure, it couldn't sure. get to where we had to go, but we were tired. Anyway, man, <laughs> Wade pulls the boat over in this ravine, in this little in this little river channel, parks the <laughs> boat. He's like, grab all your shit. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, we're here. We're hunting right here. Dude, and he's like, four dozen decoys. No, we got our guns. No, blind we're bags, not hunting here. Everything. So yeah, we have guns, blind bags, four dozen decoys. So we were each carrying a dozen decoys for sure. And then our boats, our blind bags and our guns. Bro, we hiked it in like standing water. I mean like up to your hips a lot of the time. Two miles. Dude, okay, I'm going to stop you right there because that's an exaggeration. Most of that walk was below our knees. 300 miles we walked (laughs) through chest deep water. Dude, all right, no, Cal it was, was sucking hind tit. Oh yeah, hard. <laughs> I mean, we, oh, yeah. we for sure walked over a mile. It was probably a mile and a half, but we carried four dozen decoys between four of us, three of us because Matt, Matt was Lehman, carrying all his camera stuff. Matt was carrying all of his camera stuff, so we carried all of our decoys. We carried damn near everything we owned ever. Yeah, you know, a while back, and Wade and I are side by side. You know, Matt's Matt's a little behind us, and then we're like, "Where's Cal?" Cal's like. Hey guys, can we can we uh, take a second? I just I need a second, and so we'd like lean up against a tree, and we're like waiting there. You know, it's like, hey man, it's public land. We got to get going to the spot if we want to get the spot. Guys, like, okay, well, okay. So, but seriously, that was a that was not easy by any means. Not an ideal situation. Now, did we shoot three limits of ducks? Yeah, we did. We that's the thing. We had a banger of a hunt, and Wade didn't know if they were gonna be there. He's like, you know, the water's low. I don't know if we're going to have the birds. They had the birds. Mm-hmm. It worked out great. We had the birds. So tough hunting situation in terms of getting to where we needed to be and not knowing if it was going to work out, and it worked out. Uh, another one that I think is kind of interesting, and we kind of were excited about it, but I think that was like me starting to like be excited about new opportunities or like new weird things, and also you being a maniac about that stuff anyway. Sure. Sure. But last year, you know, our usual spot where we would hunt for opener, the water was super low. So it had all this, ex- all these exposed sandbars where we usually would hunt birds. So we kind of came up with this idea 
well, Joey did, that we were going to put layouts on the sandbar. I mean, he'd, he'd been telling me for three years we were into it. Yeah. But there was enough water that they'd get covered up. And we'd be soaking wet the entire Yeah, it time. would have sucked. Yeah. You know, unless we were in, like, body suits. You know, it would have sucked. So, finally, so, we go out to this yep. freaking sandbar. Now, did we have to push the boat literally a half mile at 1 a.m.? Yes. Yeah. Now, did we bring way too many decoys out there for the opening day of duck season? Yes. Yeah. Did we sleep in the boat and not really sleep at all? Yes. Yes. But. But. but the hunt was sweet. The video's up on our YouTube channel. Both of these hunts we're talking about is up on our YouTube channel, but. It was so cool laying under socks on a sandbar on water. Yep. And that's where that open yeah. vegetate, like the vegetation rule comes into play. We wouldn't have been able to do that without some sort of natural cover. Yeah. But it was cool too. Cause we had some of the guys that have hunted there that we see every year, you know, right. out in that spot driving by, giving us like the thumbs up. And, and then they commented sweet. on the YouTube. Video. Yeah. Someone commented on the YouTube video on the duck opener video from this past year and was like, you get your guys hide looked really good. It was sick, man. It was really cool. And we were successful. We had a great day. Now, we should have limited out. Oh, yeah. But I was shooting a freaking t- brand new 20 gauge I've never shot ducks with with an extra full choke at eight feet at yep. teal. Just. But it worked out. It was really fun. I doubled that day. It was really cool. No, you, you had a two for one. Yep. Two for one on Woody's. My gun clicked too when that. I yep. had that perfectly in my view. It went click, and then one shot went off. Two woodies dropped. Yep, that was yeah, cool. That was sweet. That was a really. That was a fun hunt. That was a super cool hunt, though. That was extreme circumstances because all these boats were not mud motors, and we had to prop up the motor and then push it through a ridiculous amount of sandy water. Otherwise, we'd screw up the intake and blow up the motor and all that so it was just yeah. it was a lot of work yeah and without a mud motor a lot of guys that usually would have hunt you know that no, like if that was their usual hunting spot they would have just said well we need to find a new spot this year but right. we made it work <laughs> right. you know right so it was really cool <laughs> you know it's normally like 20 by 30 of a sandbar that's exposed and this year it was like 200 by 500 yeah i mean it was a huge sandbar yep and then also throughout the throughout the morning the water kept encroaching up on the sandbar (laughs) yeah oh my god it was it sucked but you know we had a cool video come of it it was really funny yep that was a fun that was a fun weekend man duck opener is always literally a holiday yeah it's amazing it's a holiday for minnesota but anyway thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of midwest flyways podcast Subscribe if you haven't. If you're on Apple, leave us a rating. We're trying to get to 500. And when we get to 500, we're going to do a badass giveaway. And we're going to do a really cool thing with it to where everyone has an opportunity to win the giveaway. Now, do we have some sponsors of the podcast and the YouTube channel and Instagram? Yeah. Are we going to collaborate with all of them to do a badass giveaway? Probably. Is that probably conjecture? Yeah. Yeah, Connor would say conjecture, but we're hoping it works out. No, but if you guys give us a five-star rating and comment. If, you, if, if, only if. If you give us a five-star rating, we will probably enter you into the giveaway. But anyway. Enter you. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon.